You're listening to The Pulse and speaking of one graying world leader, President Obama was in Cuba this past week. In a world that remade itself time and again, one constant was the conflict between the United States and Cuba. His visit was filled with the promise of a new relationship between the nations. I have come here to bury the last remnant of the Cold War in the Americas. One front in that Cold War, a program designed to encourage Cuba's medical professionals to migrate to the U.S. by offering them visas, could be on its way out as well. For decades, Cuban doctors have come to the United States seeking a fresh start, hoping to pick up where they left off professionally. But for many of them, it has meant sacrificing their careers. Carrie Barber reports. Buenos dias! It's an early morning at Advanced Care, an adult daycare in Cape Coral, Florida. Anya Rodriguez, who owns and runs the place, greets an arriving client with a cry of mamito. Holding the woman's face in both hands, she kisses her on each cheek, then takes a seat at the Domino's board with two older women clients. Her bright red manicure flashes as she mixes up tiles for a game. Rodriguez started her career caring for people as a surgeon in 1991 in Matanzas, Cuba, 30 miles dead east of Havana. The compensation in Cuba for do the doctor is nothing. So the people that want to do the doctor, at least in Cuba, is because they like it. Although she did love her work and the prestige of being a respected surgeon, she found the political environment in Cuba untenable. I don't have the choice to be... Free. In 1999, Rodriguez won a visa lottery to relocate permanently to the United States. Her plan was to join her longtime boyfriend, Michelle, who'd come to Florida eight months before, and find work as a surgeon. But her dreams hit a stumbling block. To work as a doctor, foreign medical graduates must show proof of graduation from a U.S. approved medical school, pass a three part licensing exam, and complete a minimum three year graduate medical training known as a residency. The same is required of U.S. grads. Rodriguez says she passed the first of those exams, but then got bogged down in what she found to be a daunting and confusing process. To compound matters, by that time she had had a baby and was working to put food on the table in a new country. All in all, Rodriguez says it was just too much. She stopped pursuing the license. You know, since I was uh, 12 years old, I realized that uh, I I didn't want to live in that way. Lionel Cordova, a Cuban-born pediatrician and emergency medicine doctor practicing in Miami, did manage to pass the boards and get licensed. Cordova and his wife, a dentist, came to the U.S. in 2000 after being granted political asylum. Back then, he saw firsthand how many of his fellow Cuban doctors struggled to recertify, so he and some colleagues arranged an informational meeting for them. They expected about 200 people. 2,000 showed up. He remembers having to close the doors against the crowds. There were a lot of people outside, all of them Cuban physicians that had absolutely nothing to do at this moment with the, with the, with the medical field, and they were willing to do whatever it takes to, to get it. So that was really a shame. Cordova does not want to see Cuban doctors get special treatment. He believes everyone should meet the same standards. But he can't help but think a compromise may be a good idea. I think we are missing a lot of uh, the great opportunity with the Cuban physicians. They should have a different status, and they should be able to work the same way that the nurse practitioners and the PAs, because you know what? Those are really people that know what they do. The pipeline of doctors arriving from Cuba each year has only increased since 2006. That's the year the U.S. Departments of State and Homeland Security implemented the Cuban Medical Professional Parole Program. 
It allows Cuban medical personnel who are working internationally to be fast-tracked for U.S. citizenship. Not only does this serve as a brain drain on the Cuban economy, it's also a black eye to a nation that prides itself on its doctors. To date, more than 7,000 healthcare professionals have been approved since the program's inception. So in many ways, it's a, con- it's a contract. That's John Kirk, a professor of Latin American studies at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. First of all, to embarrass the Cuban government, uh, and secondly, to get medical personnel to, to come to the U.S., but there are, there's very little infrastructure to help the doctors and the nurses and the technicians once they get there. Statistics show how difficult it can be for many foreign medical graduates to meet the U.S. requirements to practice medicine. About 94% of U.S. medical school grads were placed in residencies in 2015. But the total percentage of graduates of overseas medical schools placed in U.S. residencies hovers just around 50%. And those the Cuban Medical Mission Program brings to the U.S. may have even a higher hurdle. Not only is there a language gap, but Cuba watchers say, since the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991, their textbooks and medical techniques have not been updated. Back at Advanced Care, former surgeon Anya Rodriguez is busy growing her successful enterprise and making a good living for her family in another facet of the healthcare industry. She employs about 38 people and has plans to expand soon. I have money in my pocket because I'm working for me in the best country in the world. But even with all this, she hasn't given up her dream to get back into the operating room someday. I need to have the the knife on my on my hand doing surgery to be really happy. For The Pulse, I'm Carrie Barber. <laughs> yeah, I like this right here. Makes me feel free. It's got that, uh, you know, that on. World. Wide. <laughs> Let's just stay free.